Hello, my name is James Troopany and welcome to Telling Stories. This week, we return to the fabulous Royal Brothers and the ways that they were presented in the 1970s. The best tag team in British wrestling at the time, they couldn't be overexposed and trying to present them in different ways proved a challenge for the promoters at joint, namely one Max Crabtree. So here's another story about the Royal Brothers and how they became the best tag team in the UK. A big hand for Another way of presenting them differently was to give them much heavier opposition. Wildly believed to be the best tag team around the middleweight end of things, heavyweights were a different matter. They were usually deployed in more sportingly balanced contests. Occasionally they would venture into the top end of the scales. One such occasion happened in the early 70s. Roy and Tony Sinclair were the Cornish answer to the Royals. Tony would have a long and fruitful career not only in the UK but also for the Catch Wrestling Association in Germany for Otto Vance as a babyface and in New Japan as a heel who just about managed to fit into the junior heavyweight division. Back then, they were considered up-and-coming talents with strong family connections. Their father was Francis Gregory. St. Clair was a ring name. In fact, though the Saints, as they were known as a tag team, a nod to the popular TV series at the time, The Saint, as well as their own appropriated name, were born and bred in Bolton, just like the Royals. The St. Clair family moving up north to be closer to the wrestling hotbed of Lancashire. Roy St. Clair was an underrated heavyweight who, despite training his brother, didn't have the charisma to maintain the longevity that Tony did. To the fans in the early 70s, though, that mattered little. Starting off with Bert, this would be as clean as a new suit, and back then the fans appreciated that. He loomed over Bert, who set about things with his speed to nullify the obvious power advantage. However, it was Roy who showed some adept at distraction techniques. As Kent Walton explained on commentary, that's the opportunity to be a classic, as both teams were technically superior. The match was a series of counters and reversals, the kind of thing Japanese audiences would adore and appreciate today, but an American and probably British audience would see as pedestrian. A wrist lock to Roy turned into a hammer lock and then via a backflip turned into a wrist lock for Burt. The crowd murmured and clapped along. Tony tagged in shortly after that. Tony tagged in shortly after and was on the receiving end of an arm drag, then a wrist lock and jerk before Vic tagged in and went into his usual rope running routine to liven up the match, but stopped mid-stride and waved at Tony as he went by, and then used a forward roll to start as an ankle pick one of the Royals' signature manoeuvres. Reversed into a wrist lock, Vic was in the hold for a minute, using every reversal he could, but always ending up back in the wrist lock. Tony was one step ahead all the time. He managed to get a hammer lock in a dazzling array of rolls and rope dies to flip his way back to normal, working a short arm as Vic managed some time dominating, as it was Tony's turn to keep the game of hold and counter hold going. It was a fascinating showcase of Matt wrestling. Bert tagged in, was grounded with a head scissor. His answer was to dangle his foot in St. Clair's face, offering an ankle lock instead, which St. Kindly refused. He turned St. Clair and, using the rope's momentum, backward rolled himself into a Boston Crab. With no back-weakening holds, it was a fruitless effort. But further the story of the match, the Royals were known for their moves and a clean contest, while less heated gave ample opportunity to showcase them. Tony took over with a wrist lock, but it was reversed into a straitjacket hold, and then a knee surfboard, but awfully close to the ropes. Roy tagged in, but was leg-tripped by Bert, who rolled him into a leg lock and then pulled his cross legs tight to the body using Roy's weight as a fulcrum to lift and drop Roy's head repeatedly on the canvas. Another royal signature. They came up with new manoeuvres so often, they were so unique to their style that it was hard to keep up, the majority of which go uncopied and unused today because they were so of their time. Roy powered up and reversed the hold, a feat so impressive that Vic offered a handshake, a ruse, of course, so that Bert could tag out. It'd be Roy's turn to watch Vic go by as he crisscrossed himself to oblivion. 
Roy seized the advantage with a toe and ankle hold and grounded the speed merchant. The frustration for the Royals was the Saints could keep up with them on the mat and had the power to get out of things that they couldn't. A simple story, but one worth telling. After more back and forth, Roy wound up in a straitjacket hold and the pace slowed down once again. Roy reversed it, but Vic countered with a double arm lever that Roy managed to flip Vic out of. The Royals were happy to give in to the right circumstances. They could bump all night if needs be. It's all science the story of the grace versus power. Tony tagged in and sent Vic into the ropes, pulling the usual fork manoeuvre of yelling, Whoa! when his opponent was running right at him. Vic responded by backdropping him and going for the cover. You can't kid a kidder. Bert tagged in and monkey flipped Tony around the ring for a while, his tag team psychology perfect as you'd expect, delivering the move that covering the Saints corner to ensure there was no tag. When his man was up to the hip toss, he applied a kneeling version of the torture rack, but couldn't get a pinfall. Bert and Vic tagged in and out to break up Tony's counter, another case of using every rule in the book to the advantage, and then Bert took over on the younger Saint, again working a hammerlock. As Tony went in with the strikes and throws, he sent Bert hurtling to the floor, the first time he complained of an ear issue, the second time he landed on his feet. Once he was back in, he used his head for a butt into St. Clair's stomach, the old British stance for a surprise strike that was appropriate by Daniel Bryan. Roy tugged in to take over. He continued the strikes, knocking Bert off his feet, and calling back to earlier in the match, blocked the tag from Vic. They had watched and learned the series that started with a dropkick miss and went from boss and crab for Bert into a series of pinning combinations, put Roy under for a three. Bert and Roy started the second session. There was an urgency in the eyes of the Saints. One fall down. They up to gear. The strike's a little stiffer. The throw's a little further. Just to underline their will to win, Vic tagged in and went for a big dropkick but missed and feigned injury to Lord Tony, who swapped with Roy into coming closer, but it was to no avail. St. Clair spin him out into a double takedown. Faulkner exclaimed his frustration as another cunning plan was foiled with his ever-present grin. The pair tried again with the test of strength that flowed into a series of monkey flip and pin reversals that was breathtaking to behold. Roy tagged in and began to exert some dominance. A snap mare was followed by a grovet, an old wigan shoot hold that plied properly as lights out for anyone who was in it, but in a friendly affair like this was a genuine finisher. However, Vic managed to get out of trouble and Tony was tagged back in. Bert tagged in and proceeded to give a masterclass in armbar variations. Tony managed to reverse it into a wrist lock. Tony's basic counter to this mat wrestling madness was a head scissor, which he pulled out again in this sequence, but Bert wasn't there for long. Vic tagged in and a long fast sequence of rope running ended up with Vic taking a butt to the stomach and then getting caught out with a bridging O'Connor roll or a double leg Nelson, depending on your age, and your favourite commentator for the pin. The same move Bert won his fall with earlier in the match. On the restart, Tony locked on an abdominal stretch but let Vic go when he didn't submit. Roy took over and after a defensive effort, Vic tagged out to Bert. Both teams started laying in the strikes thicker as the match neared its end. Postings, butts, forearms and knees. It looked like Roy was on the worst end of the stick. Tony tagged in and the pace quickened again as they ran off the ropes, which Vic ended with a huge hip toss. He followed that up with a backdrop. However, Tony came back with a knee lift as he ran past his opponent. Vic could not be outdone though. As Tony came in, he sidestepped and went behind to finish a double leg Nelson for the final pin and take the win. This match, perhaps more than any of the others, showed what the Royals could do when the timing was right. Able to tell a story of Garland's surprise over strength and size, they truly excelled. This was the story of the Royals. As single wrestlers, they were great. As a tag team, the whole was bigger than the sum of its parts, despite being pretty fantastic to start with. The characters were everyman, comedic but brilliant, entertaining while being ferociously competitive, and perhaps the earliest examples of a tag team selling spot-driven offense, the precursor to the teams like the Young Bucks, the American Wolves, the Time Splitters, LAX, and all the teams you see today. Literally, years ahead of their time. 
And that concludes our stories about the Royal Brothers on Best of British from the Troopany Show's Telling Stories. You can find us on Twitter at Troopany Show. You can find us on Facebook, The Troopany Show. And you can find us on Patreon where you can keep The Troopany Show and all its shows free forever for everyone. Please visit our sponsors, powerslump.tv, where you can use our code MULLETWATCH to get a free month. And also go to Indie Empire magazine where the writings of James Troopany and Ash Rose Nova are there and available to you. The show was written, edited and produced by James Troopany. Music was by Sheriff Lone Star and the Deputies of Heartbreak. Salmon Salad Boogie, available at Bandcamp forward slash Sheriff Lone Star.